Let me tell you a story. It's a story of the of a 19th century politician who was trying to get elected. And he was a good man. He had integrity, good character. He had some really great ideas for change, and he was an effective leader. But no one really knew much about him. Remember, this is the 19th century, so it's before radio, it's before TV, it's before the internet. You had to get out and travel. You had to literally be in front of people, and you had to use a lot of newsprint. So he knew he needed an advanced man, somebody to advance him, and he he relied upon a good friend. The man was a good friend, but he wasn't a good public relations person. But he relied upon him, and a lot of things fell down. Uh, the message got muddled. It was not always clear. In fact, sometimes it was just wrong, like when he was in newsprint and it got in there what his positions were. It was not actually his position, not quite. Or when he went on the tours of the trains, they were called whistle stops. Sometimes no one showed up. Even like in one town, the mayor himself didn't show up and he was a supporter of his. And the reason why is that the advanced man dropped the ball in getting the news out to that area that this candidate was showing up and get everybody who's supporters there and get them to get the news out and so on. Well, those who were around the candidate, who believed in the candidate, they were just wondering, why doesn't he just fire this guy? But he, he doesn't. And the result is he loses the election by a slim margin. If he would have just had a good advance man, then he would have won the election. I tell you the story from history, our American history, in order to highlight something in the gospel in our lives and something that's just around the corner for us. In the gospel, Jesus had an advance man, John the Baptist. We hear that in John the Evangelist in his first letter, first actually chapter from the book of John, the Gospel of John. John the Baptist is Jesus' advanced man. He's the one who is sent to prepare the way of the Lord, to make straight a path for him to go into the lives of others. And John the Baptist does this well. By the time Jesus is on the scene, thousands of people have been prepared for the Messiah again. And he enlightens them, their minds, he softens their hearts, he calls them to repentance, knowing that sin is often what keeps us from following God. So God had an advanced man. It's going to be Christmas here in a few days. Actually, Sunday evening and Monday morning, we're going to have four masses here. And God wants you to be his advanced man. He wants you to be his advanced man. 
in order to get the news out so that people can have an encounter with him here on Christmas Eve. It's one of those occasions where a lot is in their favor. It could be nostalgia. It could be loneliness. It could be family traditions. It could be that they went to school here or at some point they used to worship here or any number of things which will get them in their hearts starting to feel and long for this. But they need an invitation. And so here's some recommendations about how to be God's advanced man, to prepare the way of the Lord, to make straight a path that leads right to him. The invitation. You can invite people between now and Christmas. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor that's lonely next door. Somebody who's lost a spouse. Somebody who's gone wayward. Whatever the scenario, whatever the situation is, God is expecting you. Not me. God is expecting you to be his advanced man. And just to simply invite. The most powerful way for people to have encounters with God is actually through the invitation of another person who they know and trust. They don't know me, a lot of them, from Adam. But they do know you. And many of them do trust you. And many of them will see an an authentic care and concern for them when you invite them. And don't just invite them, right? Say, come with me. Because maybe they have never been in a church or they haven't been in a church for a long time or they don't know anyone here or they have been away and they think that everyone has kind of already pegged them as this or that. And so they would feel very alone showing up alone. But not if they're with you and your family. So invite them. Just like John the Baptist invited thousands to get ready for the Messiah. Here's the next thing. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome people when they come into our church and the seats, the pews are full and there's all these new faces, right? Or old faces we haven't seen for a long time. Welcome them and be hospitable to them, especially when they're sitting in your regular seat. (laughs) Instead of one of these. You're sitting in my seat, right? Welcome them. And what are the three principles, uh, you know, that that you've heard me say before? Three principles of welcoming people. Hospitality, 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 right? And prayer is actually one of the best ways 
that we can extend hospitality to others. At the beginning of each Mass, not just at Christmas, but we just did it here, the lector will say, please stand and greet those who are around you. And ask them if there's something that you can pray for. So that's what you'll do. You'll stand. You'll greet people that are around you. Introduce yourself. Ask them for their name. Welcome them. And then say, is there something that I can pray for for you? You're never going to run into a situation where people are going to take offense or reject you when you ask if there's something I can pray for. Now, it might be private, and they might say, yeah, just, I have a special intention on my heart. Or somebody might ask you that, and if that's private to you, that's what you can say. But ask. And whatever it is that they say, that's your prayer. The prayer doesn't have to be complex. You don't have to be a good prayer or a perfect prayer. Just listen to what it is that they've asked. And make that into a prayer. And you can also, because human touch is so powerful. When you ask, you can also ask, do you mind if I place a hand upon your shoulders? And touch them when you pray for them. And then pray for them. Here's the third thing. Worship. Worship. When you have all these people that are around you, some who, again, who haven't been here for a long time or have never been here, or maybe you're just visiting family, don't just attend Mass next week. Worship God at Mass. For yourself, for your family who are with you, but for everyone else who's around you. Worship Him. So let them, for instance, hear you praying as you respond throughout the Mass of the different parts that we respond in, as we pray the Creed and the Gloria and so on. Let them hear you sing. Let, let them hear a whole congregation worship God in song, including your voice. And when things like, when you come back from Holy Communion and you kneel, and God's dwelling in you, and you bow your head and pray, let them see that, your devotion, your love for God, rather than letting them see you kneel after receiving the God that you profess to believe in, who dwells in you, and all you're doing is looking around at who's here and what are they wearing. Show them the beauty of worship in you. And the final thing is invite. Again, just like you invited whomever and they showed up or they didn't show up. Don't be offended if they don't show up. Don't make this about you. At the, begin at the end of Mass, turn to those, uh, once we're done with the closing song, and thank them for being here. Whether you know them or not know them, whether you see them every week or not, 
in both cases you can say, your being here is inspiring. And in fact, it is. When we have a full church, it is inspiring, right? When we have a congregation like tonight worshiping God, it is inspiring. So tell them that. Your being here is inspiring. And, and then be ready for one sentence or two sentences or however long to share with them while, while going to church and coming to hear St. Francis means so much to you. How it makes you feel what it does for you, right? Just like you do at the beginning when you're inviting somebody, you could say the same thing. Come with us. Going to Christmas Mass, this is what it does for me. This is how it makes me feel. This is what it does for my family. Say those same things to the people around you. And that last part alone, and what you give to them from your own personal experience, may be what helps them to come again. I hope to see you again next week. Don't think about the weeks after that. I hope to see you next week. Everything that I just talked about is beauty. And beauty, well, it's attractive. It's appealing. It draws us. So beautiful worship does that. An invitation and a care for another person, right? Singing, kneeling, honoring God, adoring Him welcoming them, praying with them, and inviting them to come again, that they, they're worth your words and your invitation. That's all beautiful. And God expects you to be his advance man. He is not going to fire you because you haven't done that in the past. In fact, the reason why he came as a baby in a manger and as a man who is fully God is to cast his lots among us. And that's why he relied upon a human being like John the Baptist. And after he ascended into heaven, like his apostles and other disciples, and that's why he continues to rely upon you and I to this day. He's not going to fire you because you haven't performed well. It's the exact opposite. It's why he came to join you. And not just in his birth, but in the Eucharist, hoping you will carry him to a world that needs a Messiah a savior, to a man, a woman, a child who needs your invitation.